What's more important, confidence or your ego? Like with no judgment, actually ask yourself the question. And guys, if it's ego, if you are looking to feel good about yourself all the time, that's absolutely fine and totally your prerogative. But you may as well save the time and switch off this video right now because developing and building your confidence will be more freaking painful than going 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. It means you have to keep facing what you are not good at yet. And in that process, you will get punched in the freaking teeth, fall on your face and feel leaving completely bruised round after round. But if it's worth it to you, if you are willing to step in the ring with training, you will be able to win the fight. Trust me, I was the girl who sneaked into her mum's room and ripped up the photo of myself because I was so teased with my frizzy hair, unibrow and head brace that I just couldn't bear the thought of there being any evidence. I was the girl who as a housewife sat in a boardroom with three powerful entrepreneurs petrified to speak up when I disagreed with them. And those tough times certainly weren't freaking easy and I have the scars to prove them. But those scars taught me a freaking powerful lesson. That confidence, confidence doesn't just appear. Confidence is built precisely from trying and falling time and time again. Confidence is born from competence. And let's face it, in order for you to get competent at something, in order for you to get good, you must put yourself in uncomfortable situations. You must be willing to strap on those freaking gloves. But don't worry, these women of impact are in our corner. So guys, get ready for a boost of confidence with today's special episode of Women of Impact. Tip number one, Evie Pomporos shares why speaking with absolute freaking conviction boosts your confidence. Um, but I've actually got a quote of yours that is um, very powerful, I would like to read. My success is in standing my ground wasn't really about my physical strength. It was about my mental conviction. I had to speak with confidence to make sure those who heard my message heard it clearly the first time. And when I did act, I had to do it so in a way that assured it would not be mistaken for weak or uncertain of my abilities. Yeah. Ooh, how do you do that? <laughs> It's the way you carry yourself. I feel like Break it what, down. Does, what does size matter? Like, that's the thing, like power and strength, first it lives in the mind. Right. So if I think myself strong, I am strong. If I think I'm like, you know, even with that, you know, Chinese delegate or if, when I've had altercations with somebody bigger than me or somebody's messed with me, you know, my, and, and I knew maybe they, they could take me. You know, my mind, I'm like, all right, man, you know, you may walk over here, but and you may beat me, but I promise you, you're going to be limping back. You're going to have to earn that. And that's kind of like that, that sentiment I've always had. Like, I don't ever put myself underneath. It's like, I'm going to brawl if I need to brawl. But again, like, I, I'm speaking this way, but it really isn't my go-to behavior. It was, though, like, I really did want to fight everybody when I was younger, and I wanted to, to express my opinion and force my opinion down other people's throats. And I'm like, why am I doing that? And I realized that we do that, one, ego. Your ego runs amok. And then two, insecurity. Mm. Especially when you're younger, you're trying to figure yourself out. So you don't know who the hell you are. And be, being grounded in, in yourself. So I, I really think it's like just about 
pausing and not letting yourself kind of like run wild. But once you do that, because you then say like, and when I did act, I had to do so in a way that assured yeah. it would not be mistaken for weak or uncertain of my abilities. All right, so I'll give you an example, paralinguistics. And you know, I've talked about this. If I don't want somebody to go into this room, I'm gonna say, you can't go into this room. Versus, you can't go into this room. So my tone, my pitch, I speak with conviction. So what do you sound like when you deliver your information? What words do you use? That's the thing. What do they hear? What do they hear when they hear you? Like, I know a lot of people who can't watch themselves on camera, can't hear themselves like, oh my God, is that what I sound like? Then fix it. How would you start to fix it then? Look, you want to strengthen your voice. You don't want to be like, okay, you can't go into this room. You can't go into this room. It's like, you can't go into this room. You also have to believe in what you're saying and why you're saying. So when I did my previous job, like, I was protecting the president of the United States. I had the backing of the U.S. Secret Service. And look, having that gives you confidence. Mm -hmm. Gives you confidence. But I also went through training academies and I had people get in my face. I had to deal with things. But the more adversity you deal with, the, the more resilient you become. When you don't deal with adversity, when you avoid conflict, you don't know what to do when real conflict shows up. Repetition. Repetition. Tip number two. Mally Ronkel shares why confidence cannot rely on your physical appearance. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that putting makeup on, doing your hair, doing all this, does that make you insecure? Is that in insecure? Yes. No, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. The opposite. Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh my God. I've been here. Oh my God. Come on now, girl. <laughs> If people listen to this on podcast, oh. she has a fan that she just opened and it actually says amen. And now she's fanning herself with a fan that's gigantic that says amen. That's amazing. Do it, we, we need a Lisa fan. Everybody, well, I'm working on it. We're going to make it happen. So, yeah, because this is the thing that I find so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I've heard so many times, oh, she wears makeup. She must not like herself. She wears makeup. She must be really insecure. Ooh, she must really be hiding something mm. behind all that. Not just me, but women mm -hmm. in general. And I find it so interesting and so empowering and awesome that you thought it was the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. But I used, I mean, when I was a kid, I wouldn't leave the house if I didn't have makeup on because I was so teased for my looks. Mm. I had braces. I had the head brace. I had mm. elastic bands in my mouth. I mean, I had the whole shebang. But here's the danger. I started to so think of myself as I was only beautiful mm -hmm. if I wore makeup right. that I wouldn't leave the house yeah. without it. To the point where my mom was literally going down to the local store to pick up milk or whatever. Right. And I refused to go with her mm. because I was like, if somebody sees me, they're going to see me without makeup. And yeah. that's actually an interesting um, topic for us to talk yeah. about is self-confidence tied to our physicalities mm -hmm. and I'm massively a component of like put pink in your hair if it feel makes you feel good right yeah, like yeah. put makeup on if it feels yeah. good yeah um where is that fine take off your shoes we're gonna, girl. we're gonna get uh, into it get into and it. I can feel it so I'll go get down <laughs> all right so, so. if you're okay talking about um so you actually have alopecia correct yes so <gasps> talk to me about that because oh the tie to self-confidence yeah. 
and our physicalities can be very dangerous. And I'm really aware of that because while I love wearing makeup, I love dressing up, I've made it a point to still post photos of me without makeup because I don't want my self-esteem to be tied to my my physicalities. So talk to me about that and then when you discovered you had alopecia and how that made you feel. Well, I learned so much about myself during the alopecia. I mean, it changed my life. In, in the best way. It was horrible going through it. Long story short, I'm gonna say like seven years ago, something like that, I remember I got out of the shower, I looked in the mirror and there was a little spot right in the center of my forehead, like right above my hairline. And I just had no hair. And I was like, well, that's strange. Like just like a bald just spot. Just a bald spot. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny part. So growing up in the 80s, I had, oh honey. <laughs> I'm going to show you crown pictures. <laughs> I had, I remember I used to touch the top roof of the car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause it was big and it was like my crowning glory. It was my thing. I would get up hours before school to do my hair because it was my calling card. It made me who I was, mm-hmm. my hair, my makeup. That was who I was, you know? So I look at the picture or I see my, 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 the bump, the hole, the bald spot. And I'm like, what is that? It's strange. A couple of days later, I looked at my friend. I said, is it getting bigger? And she's like, it's getting bigger every day. I take a picture of it. I send it to my, my doctor. And he says, do you know what alopecia areata is? And I was like, yeah, but I don't get that. I have great hair. I have a lot of hair. That's, that's who I am. I said, I think you need to come in and see me because we need to start, you know, treating that before it it spreads like wildfire. Well, before I knew it, I was completely bald here in the wow. front of my head and the crown of my head, so the whole wow. entire back, bald. And, every- and you said this is seven years ago, so your yeah. Mali Beauty is already out. Oh, yes. And so you're already- Mommy, I'm on mm, TV. Mm, mm. I'm doing live shows on QVC. I'm going on Good Morning America. And every day, my hair is falling out and giant pieces. And I was so um, afraid that this person that was created, that was, that was who I was, 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 was going away. Who was I gonna be if I didn't have hair? And then the eyebrows, the eyelashes, all of this stuff. No, 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 this is who I am. You can't take that away from me. First of all, I think it was two things. Number one, I think I was going through a lot of hard times at that moment. In life. In life. Okay. But I was not allowed allowing anybody to see it. I was always trying to show that I, everything was together. I'm fine. Everything is fine. Yes, I'm good. Don't worry about me. Inside, you're dying. You're worried. Am I making the right decisions? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing this right in business? Am I doing this right in family? Am I being a good mom? All these things, but I would never say it. So your body takes in all of that fear and all of that worry and it finds a way out. If you think that it's not gonna find a way out, you are very mistaken. And I, I get emotional because I feel so much for all of us who try so hard to hide our fears, worries, insecurities. So uh, God said to me, um, 
I'm going to hit you right in the balls. I'm going to hit you in the place that you trust the most, that you know is your thing. And it was terrifying. So that was one. I was hiding all my, my worries. Number two, um, that was who I was, like I said. Your identity. My identity. Mm. And without that, who are you? Mm. And I had to figure it out. Tip number three. El Ross shares how to get freaking confident to respond to negativity. And now I want to yeah. take us to then, that's assessing yourself, mm-hmm. projecting on other people. But what about the downers that are coming to you? So you're trying to be confident, you're trying to work on yourself, you're doing everything that you just said, and now you've got other people coming to you, being the naysayers. How do you react and what, are, what is your advice in those situations? It depends on how severe, if it's a stranger or a loved one. Okay, but in fact, take me through both. Yeah, so um, it depends. Like, there's times when I've spoken up to a stranger. For example, a stranger asked me what I what I do. Like, hey, what do you do? And I said, I'm a writer. Now, just for everyone watching, if you're in LA and you say you're a writer, like, absolutely nobody cares, right? <laughs> and they're like, they're usually like, whatever. Like, what have you done? They want your whole resume. You know, if you say you're a writer anywhere else in the country, they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. What do you write? You know what I mean? People yeah. are more interested. So I said, I'm a writer. And he said, literally verbatim, he said this. He goes, okay, so are you like a real writer that makes money at it? Or do you like work at Starbucks and do another job, but like just write on the side? And I said, that's rude as fuck, dude. Would you go up to a real estate agent and go, do you just have your real estate agent license and not sell houses, but like live at home? Or do you actually like make money at it? And he goes, oh, well, well, that's different. I go, no, it's not, dude. It's just rude. And I said, but the good thing for me is that when I come across a naysayer like you, I use it to fuel my confidence and you've just propelled me to a level of success. So thank you very much. So I also choose to believe, I think I would love it if everyone did, that when you get hit like that from people, you got to use it to fuel. Like I just have this belief system that when you get hit at like that, you're just raising me up. You've just propelled me another level. And I always say it's not necessarily about proving them wrong. It's about proving yourself awesome. So we can stop sharing our, as Steve Harvey, I think it was his quote, stop sharing your million dollar ideas with hundred dollar people. Mm. If you keep coming up against the brick wall, your sister keeps being unencouraging or skeptical about whatever you're doing, stop sharing stuff with them until you've either achieved it. But even once you achieved it, you might get downered by that person. You know, I mean, uh, So many examples in my book of this, but one uh, that I got hit with was by a family member who I love, who's normally encouraging, who's not necessarily a downer, but it can come from anywhere. And so when I wrote my first book, I was really excited about pitching it to Mark Sisson. And I told a family member, I'm like, I'm really excited about pitching this book to Mark. And they said, well, you've never written a book before, like just skeptically. And I was like, Okay, I've written screenplays, whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's not a different, it's just a different genre. Like, I just like, whatever, I'm not worried about it. But it was a little bit of a hit because it's kind of like in that comment, they're being like, well, I don't know if you can do that. So then um, I got hit again. Uh, Mark agreed to publish my book. I went back to the family member and I said, hey, you know what? Mark agreed to publish my book. I'm so excited. And they were like, well, now you have to write it. I was like, oh my fucking God, like, Now you've kind of, in that comment, you've relegated me to a point where I have failed and not followed through. Mm. That's kind of what that is. I was like, of course I'm gonna write it. I finish everything I start, like, what the fuck? Mm. So then, then I got hit again. The book's about to be published. It's not out yet. Barnes and Noble calls. They want to buy like a thousand copies. And I don't think they even read it, but they probably trusted whatever 
you know, copy we gave them and they trusted the publisher. And I told the family member this, this, this story. And again, I got hit with another downer. They were like, well, that's silly. Like, why would Barnes & Noble publish a book they never even read yet? I mean, that's a big risk. I mean, again, now they're basically propelling me into a state where now I'm so embarrassed because a big corporation took a chance on me and they're going to maybe regret it because they were so stupid to buy it without reading it. Mm. And I mean, you get hit at every turn, right? Now, the fourth one on the book was from one of my best friends who we've like never gotten into an argument with. But this is, an, this is a perfect example of someone projecting their lack of confidence onto a subject onto you. He called me as I was in the midst of writing The Paleothyroid Solution and said, almost like a frantic parent 12 midnight before a kid's project was due, like frantic, called me and was like, dude, what are you doing? Are you writing the book? Like, how's it going? Like, how far are you? Just like kind of projecting this lack of confidence. And I just called it out. I said, hey, man, just because you're not confident in writing a book, don't project that shit onto me. You're my best friend. And the last thing I need is you're down. I'm doing it. I don't not finish things I start. And so he knows this about me and I just called it out like that. And he was like, oh, mm, shit, sorry, dude. Yeah, you're right. And that's the other thing about having confident as fuck friends because you can have a little mic drop moment like that and it's over. So you're saying that though, coming from someone who's super confident and I freaking love that story so much. Um, but what about someone that isn't necessarily confident yeah. and is in the process of trying to develop their confidence and they have a one, mm -hmm. two, three punch hit and they're like, I can't take any more of it. All these people just don't believe in me. I barely believe in myself. So maybe I'm not a good, good writer. Maybe I'm not going to be able to do this. What advice do you give to those people? Yeah, you know, and I talk about this in detail in the book in little mini ways, which is that's where you really have to sit with that and go, first of all, am I going to continue to share my dreams and my hopes and my mm. like creative ideas or whatever it is, or my business ideas with this skeptic, with this downer, with this person? You got to start there. And then if you don't have anyone else, then you get an unbiased coach or therapist or someone who can encourage you or you try to find a new tribe, trying to manifest a new tribe of people. But also, too, it's like in that moment, what's really true there? Are you going to allow their opinion of you to dictate your success? That's what you are doing. So you might get hit a bunch, but that can be an indicator to go, OK, you know what? Maybe I need to kind of keep this close to the vest. Maybe you need to share this idea. If I keep coming up against this brick wall, my friend Mary keeps, you know, not believing in me. You know, I have a quote in the book. It's a, it's a take on a Finnish composer's quote who said, um, no one ever built a statue to a critic. And my version is no one ever built a statue to a skeptic. <laughs> you know what I mean? What if you say like, oh, I'm really thinking about starting a new business and your friend's like, ugh, I don't know, you know, be careful. Like 50% of new businesses fail. Well, fuck that. I'm going to be on the 50% of the side <laughs> of the people that win. Again, you have to turn this that. around, you know, like <laughs> this is so again, you can get a coach like me or anyone else to, to kind of talk you through this stuff. But these are about like you sitting with someone going, why, why am I aggravated? Why do I feel put down? And usually it's because oh, so and so doesn't believe in me. And it's not about proving them right, but it's about proving yourself awesome. Because if you're always trying to prove everyone wrong, again, you are still projecting outward that everyone else's opinions are more important than the opinion you have of yourself. So you have to develop this opinion of yourself. Everyone has some area that they're confident in. Whether you know, you could be like a wonderful friend, you could be a wonderful mother, that's enough. Tip number four, Roxy Safai shares how to be confident in being your freaking self. To really trust yourself means that you are really rooted in your most authentic self. Like it or not, 
you're putting yourself out into the world as who you be, right? And I think that it, it takes a lot of courage and confidence to lean into this being that you are, in addition to really knowing who you are, self-awareness. If you don't have self-awareness, you don't have this deep sense of self-connection, which then really shows you who you truly are. And then that bridges us to being able to really love yourself, which I'm excited to talk to you about. <laughs> and then that bridges us to a deeper sense of self-confidence, which ultimately, we put all those ingredients together, you have the party that amounts to self-trust, right? Mm. Because you ultimately, when you say, I trust myself, you're also saying that I got myself. I love myself. I, I'm willing to bet on myself. I don't want to exist in this world as anything but myself and let all that comes to me be the result of me being 100% myself. I mean, to be honest, I've never been anything but myself. Mm -hmm. So I should say that right off the bat. But where I have developed a deeper sense of trust and growth to really uh, develop, to, to expand this authenticity has been more along the lines of turning up the volume on myself. What does that mean exactly? It means not playing fucking small. It means you, you, you're willing to put yourself out there more and not be quiet and not to take up space, you know, and not in this, um, this way of like efforting, right? It's just when you know you, you have a mind, when you know you have a heart, when you know you have a voice and you're willing to share it right? Unapologetically. It takes up space. It's noticeable. You know, you walk in the room and you're not trying to get attention, but because you are rooted in who you are and confidence, genuine confidence that is coming from within, self-validation, it's felt. It can make a lot of people really fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> and that is the space. And you have to be willing to say, I might make people uncomfortable, but... I'm not willing to turn down the volume of my truth. I also know that I can make people really feel comfortable because in my being myself, in me being showing up and being 100% authentically who I am, I'm also giving permission to others to do the same, whether I realize it or not, you know, but it's true. It's, it's infectious. It's inspiring. And I think we certainly can use more of that because I do feel that there is um, a larger tendency to turn down the volume and to take less chances on, on really living from your most authentic self. Yeah, wow. Um, there's something that you said there that really hit me. So being unapologetically you. Yeah. So I want to really dig deep on that. So you mentioned awareness. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's the first step? It's absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that number one, um, if I want to give like a methodology that's yeah. supportive, journaling. I've been writing my entire life. And I, you know, when I started writing, it was not, oh, write down your goals and it's a high performance tool. No, I just, I needed to express myself. I needed to, 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 to put my thoughts out in front of me and to understand myself more, to discover myself more. And really, 
it's really important to, and this is really hard, but to, when I enter my journal, it, the objective lens is on. There's no judgment. And the more you do this, you sit with yourself and you start to realize more of yourself and you're paying attention to the layers under the layers of yourself, you start to become more connected. And when you start to really understand who you are, your values, your core beliefs, integrity, that starts to come in and that leads us to real self-love and compassion, right? And self-worth. But th all of that is gangster because that's the catalyst to put you in the position to seek the fight that develops the self-confidence. We don't, we cannot get, feel true self-confidence if we're not truly positioning ourselves to test ourselves, to know who we are, who we are in battle, who we are in challenge. Like, how do you show up? Who are you in those moments, right? When you when you take a punch from life, like, do you stay down? Do you become the victim? Or do you get back up? Real self-confidence, the uh, precursor has to be self-love, or else you're not you're not really moving towards things with this deep sense of connection and I'm worth it. I need to get to the other side of that challenge. Tip number five, Eve Torres Gracie explains why the women you surround yourself with can actually make or break your confidence. Well, speaking of self-worth and confidence, I would be saddened if we didn't get to speak about the confidence that you had, my dear, at the party that I held. Oh. So for those at home who don't know, I had a big, I do Women of Impact parties and invite all the incredible women I'm around and you came. And awesome. tell me the story of what happened. It was the most incredible thing <laughs> that I swear to God, I wrote that in my like best things of 2018 oh. was one of that was that. Oh my goodness. Well, let me just first say it was the best party I've ever been to because I was like, I never want to go to another party again where I don't need or I can just wear pajamas yeah. and you know just have a bunch of amazing women. But we, I, I was there and I have a four-month-old son and so I'm still nursing and have to pump every once in a while. So I was at the party having a great time and I'm like, oh my goodness, I need a pump. I had brought my pump. You graciously, I asked you if there's somewhere I could do it. There was like a, you know, a room, so I got all set up and then I'm sitting there. And you had even asked, she said, do you want some company? Yeah, I wasn't sure what and was appropriate. No, no, like, exactly. Honestly, and you know, and I was like, you know what? I do want company. And I was like, I, and I actually don't want to leave the party right now. I don't want to sit here in isolation and pump. So I like have my, my, my <laughs> nursing bra on with my pumps out. And I just like walk out and I'm like, hey guys, like just continuing the conversation. Like nothing's happening. Like eh, 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 the whole time. But I was like, I never want to go to a party again where I can't just pump in front of everyone. This is awesome. I had so much respect for you. And that's why like, I really wanted to bring it up because the level of confidence and the level of like, I think intimacy we all just had with each other and allowing each other to have a space of just being ourselves was so incredible. And I swear to God, like that was like, if you had to ask me the best thing that happened in that, that entire evening, it was that <laughs> you stepped out in front of 30 women, um, with your boobs out. And these and are you powerful, had, and these, awesome women and too. They, yeah, yeah, these are like super incredible, like influential women. And you just come out and you're like, screw it. I don't want to leave the party. And I was like, that is today's woman superhero to me. A woman that can say, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I'm freaking proud. And I'm still going to put me first. 
Like that you were just like, I don't want to miss out on this party. I found that so amazing. Like I I, I don't know what words of wisdom you can oh. give people at home <laughs> that are like embarrassed or shy to do something like that. But for you to own it, girl, like I don't think you realize how impactful that was on me. But for you to own that and to not let society or how, and look, none of us even blinked. I think we were right. all just like, hell yeah. <laughs> right. But you took the risk, right? There could have been people there that were going to judge you. Or and, offended or, or yes. offended or, or, yeah, exactly. Well, I think, thank you for that, first of all. Um, but I, I think it also is a testament to the type of women I, I just felt like I was around mm. also. Uh, it's possible that maybe there's an environment out there. I mean, there's definitely environments that I may not have done. If it's like a formal, <laughs> like, you know, uh, someone's wedding, I probably yeah. wouldn't have done that. But, uh, but it was something about the connection I immediately felt with these women that, that actually, and that's just a testament to what great group of women that hmm. were there. Uh, so that was part of it is that I felt comfortable and you have made me feel comfortable and I felt like this is okay. Um, but it really does come down to comfort, comfort with yourself and knowing that like, well, somebody could be offended by this or somebody may like judge it, but I want to be a part of this party. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I could sit here for 15 minutes by myself or I could still have these conversations with these, you know, incredible women, just listening to what you want, you know, and there might be a time where you go, you know what, I need a minute to myself. Mm. And you have to listen to that too. And right. you go, you know, I need to recharge. And I'm the, I'm extreme introvert. We had a seminar on Saturday with over 200 women and it was one of the best days of my life. But afterwards I went into an introverted hole and me and my husband like didn't talk to each other for a good minute. I was like, okay. And then I came out and I'm like, all right. And I'm good. Okay. I've recharged, but that might happen at a party and you have to listen to that too. Mm. You know, and people might judge you for that and say, wow, she's you know, why did she disappear for so long? Whatever it is that yeah. you need, it's just honoring your needs and listening to them and, and saying, you know what, this is what I need right now. And I'm going to, I'm going to do that. <laughs>